Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on Magic Mike. Now, today in the virtual studio, all the way from China, we have Oscar. Oscar, welcome to my show. Hi, Bharat. Nice to see you. Oscar, you're the host of Mosaic of China. Am I right? Correct. Could you tell us more about your show? Well, how to encapsulate the show? This is the test already, right? I should have this prepared. <laughs> Um, but basically, it is a show which showcases the lives of interesting people in China,、mm-hmm. with the idea that you can focus on human stories and sort of almost by subterfuge through those stories, you can learn something about China. Right. Okay. So I see that you actually talk a lot with entrepreneurs, and you know, you you, you share a lot of their stories in that sense. How how do you get them on? You know, how do you reach out to them? Well, let me correct you because I have a slight aversion to too many entrepreneurs. I have an entrepreneur background myself, so honestly speaking, I tend to get a little bit、uh, bored <laughs> by hearing other entrepreneurs' story. I have them. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah.、Um, and you know, many people who are artists because they have to earn a living, they become entrepreneurs. But it's not really the reason I interview them.、Mm-hmm. Um, I like to actually get a nice. Cross section of people, so it's yes, some business people, some corporate business people, some artists,、um, ideally some sports people,、mm-hmm. some scientists. I try very hard to present as diverse a population of guests as possible, and that's really half the reason I wanted to do this. You know, everyone has an idea about what China is, but I wanted to come from as many angles as possible to try and undercut those expectations. But in terms of how I get them, that's、mm-hmm. actually built into the format. So I produced the first season myself, but then the format of the show is that the person from season one. Should recommend somebody for season two. So actually, the people who I'm interviewing now, I'm currently on my second season. They actually came from referrals directly from season one. That is a very interesting format in that sense, where you know, you get you're sort of like batching them up in seasons. That is one, but、mm-hmm. you get the referrals from there, and you attack the next season. That's exactly. And that's、ready. that's actually that's actually the concept of the show. So mosaic of China is so called because you have one tile, and then when they recommend the next tile, it's like a connective tile, and that's how the mosaic gets built out. Wonderful! That's that's amazing insight. <laughs> that's that's very interesting,、um, Oscar. So as a setup, you know, when you started out this podcast, now I see that you're sixty-one episodes in to you know mosaic of China. What yes, has been that's correct? What has been the go-to setup that you're using right now, and what is the first ever setup that you used? Hmm. Okay, so I, when doing my research to setting up the show, I went to a podcast festival here in China. It was called、mm-hmm. Podfest China. That was when I was already quite developed in my idea, but it was the right time to just network with many people. And believe it or not, I. Won a raffle in that podfest, and I got my first microphone <laughs> at that festival. So、nice. my setup was pretty simple at the beginning. I had、um, a couple of mics. I think they were Audio Technica and、mm-hmm. a、um, a board. And、mm-hmm. I had that set up in the quietest part of my place. And I was inviting people to my place in、mm-hmm. Shanghai. But I also, during that festival, got acquainted with somebody who. Has access to a studio 
in Shanghai. So actually, where possible, I could get people into the studio and I interviewed them there. I only interviewed people at home when、um, it was out of studio office hours because they、mm -hmm. had quite strict office hours, and of course, people aren't usually free during the day.、Mm -hmm. That was the first setup. Now I've. Slightly improved my microphones in season two for the ones that I do at home, but, and this is the lucky thing about being in mainland China, we have had a pretty COVID-free existence for the last, I would say, fourteen months. So actually,、mm. I have still been able to use the studio, and I've been having face-to-face -face interviews. So most of season two have been recorded face-to-face -face in the studio. Nice, nice. And when you did when you did this home recordings, you know. What softwares did you make use of, and you know what, what,、um, how do you manage the audio quality of the guests in that sense? <laughs> the simple answer is that I didn't do a good job at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I would use GarageBand just to record, and then,、um, funnily enough, okay, <laughs> this is where it gets already quite avant-garde、um, because I have a bit of a, a weird setup, and again, there's a story behind it. Uh, when I first started, I actually、um, wanted to work with a friend of mine who I'd worked with before in the past,、um, a guy in Barcelona called Milo, and he actually wasn't a professional sound editor; he was more a video editor. Right.、Okay. Um, but he he had done some podcasts in the past, and I, I just liked him, so I wanted to work with him, and he helped me with the edit. And actually, he used a video. Editing program to edit the audio, which is called Final Cut Pro. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> this is what happens when you have a video editor editing your podcast. What I did is, after the first ten or so episodes, I actually got Milo to teach me how to use that editing program. So, from about the halfway point of season one, I've been doing my own edit. But because I learned how to edit from a video editor, I think I'm the only person who is editing a podcast using Final Cut Pro. <laughs> you're, you're not alone. Let me just tell you that. Really? No. Oh, good. I, I know people who, who I, use iMovie. I know people who use、uh, Final Cut Pro as well. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not quite so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, literally.、Yeah. Go on, sorry. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've literally been on loads of boards and Facebook groups and like listening in to what people are using, and I, I've never heard anyone say it.、So、I'm so embarrassed <laughs> to admit it now on your podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mean,、uh, but with that being said, they are actually editing the video side of things as well, just not the audio. <laughs> So they sort no, of. No, I mean,、yeah. oh, so they're, they're doing video podcast. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I am doing it just on audio. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if if that's comfortable and that works for you, why why break it? That's what I would say. Well, this is it. So I, afterwards, I tried to. I mean, I used another couple of programs because actually the theory is the same. Once you understand all the different clicks, it's just about using that in a different setup, right?、Mm -hmm. But then I used a couple of、um, programs. I think Hindenburg. I even bought a version of Hindenburg,、mm -hmm. and I, I I get it. But I'm just used to Final Cut Pro, and now I can't change. So even though I invested in Hindenburg, I went back to Final Cut Pro. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. It's 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 simply like how for me I used to use Audacity when、mm -hmm. I started off, 
and um, I tried many other apps and I've tried um, so it was like Da Vinci you know um, if I'm mm. not wrong that's the app name but I, I couldn't sort of like you know get around the editing process so I still used Audacity until I transited to Audition Adobe Audition because mm. it was quite similar in terms of layout the features were to me slightly better and it was it was easier as an editor to actually sort of like edit things out you know place things it, it was much easier Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's it, that's why I say if it's not broken, don't fix it. Where do you host your show? I'm in China, and you may not know this, but if you host on anywhere which is not in China, then it won't appear on China iTunes. So you may think, oh, if I just put it anywhere and upload it to iTunes, it's going to go everywhere. Not in China. Okay. So I have yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is it. When when you look at China, China has this separate internet ecosystem, and it covers everything. And so when you're doing a podcast like mine, we go trying to bridge those two worlds. I am constantly bridging these two internet ecosystems. So I host on Podbean internationally. Okay. But then I have to host in parallel on a China host. Uh, which there there are four main ones, and really you have to host on one of those four, otherwise it won't get picked up anywhere else in China. And the one I use is called Himalaya, which is the Chinese for Himalaya. Right, right. You, it, it 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 was actually also an aggregator, so it used to be able to have this Himalaya app. It's a different thing. That that's the international version. Himalaya is is like a the local a Chinese host. Yeah, exactly. And how do you get on this platform? Can outsiders get on this, or is it just exclusive to the Chinese crowd? Uh, I don't. Well, this is the thing. I've never tried it as somebody outside of China. I guess it would be difficult because it's it's linked to your China ID. Um, and this oh. is it. If I if I ever leave China, that's the question that I would be asking as well. Like, can I continue posting it? Behind the China firewall, if I do leave, I don't know. I think I've seen people do it, but I think it's tricky. Gotcha. That because there's a whole ecosystem. I, I think the Chinese totally. market in, in podcasting. That's a that's like amazing. You know how many listeners there are and how many how much of consumers there are. I, I think you that's, said it. Yeah, yeah. It's 1.4 billion people, and there are more English speakers in China than there are in the US. And and one percent <laughs> of that, if I have one percent of that listening to oh, my no. show, oh no, I've got I will never ever approach one percent. I'm such a small little trickle. When you look at like the vast people amount of people in China, yeah, yeah, it's it's humbling. My my podcast is so insignificant. <laughs> It's it's amazing, you know that how what num what that numbers uh, look like in terms of like you know listeners and all that, and and also like you know the market in China, you know how from, I mean from your knowledge, um, from podcasting friends around you, what does the market look like for podcasting in China? I don't mean to catch you off guard, but no, you. I don't, I don't have the statistics, but like everything in China, it's as you say, everything is vast, the scale. And the speed of uptake is all surprising. So,、mm-hmm. I might say something now which would be obsolete in a few months' time because that's just how things work in China. It's very much what I explore in my podcast, where you know it is the most dynamic country. So every episode has something about how things have been changing so fast in the last、wow. couple of decades. I am prevaricating because I don't know the answer.、Um, But there are literally millions and millions and millions of people who are potential listeners.、Mm-hmm. Um, 
I am sort of thinking, of thinking about those people for my podcast um, because I do think the Chinese, like probably like uh, most countries, they're interested in what other people think about them. And in fact, I have about one third of my guests are mainland Chinese people. Um, right, yeah. So it's it's certainly a part of the mix. But because mine is an English language podcast, I actually am focusing pe- more like on people like you outside mm-hmm. of China, who they may be interested in China, they may hate China. I'm actually trying to engage with people who are on either side of those spe- uh, of that spectrum. Um, so anyone who is in China who is curious to find out more are uh, the added extra, but actually I'm not focusing on them. That's why I don't have the statistics to hand. Gotcha. And, yeah. and so in terms of promotions, do you have a two-way promotion or do you just do it one track? How do you promote your shows? <sighs> I mean, this is the question which every podcaster hates, right? It's yeah. the most painful <laughs> part of any podcast, and I'm no exception. I do all the usual things that you have with other podcasts, so using Instagram, using Facebook, mm-hmm. all those normal ones. I do like LinkedIn. Uh, so linked, LinkedIn is interesting because it's the one place, actually, where you can get people in mainland China and outside of mainland China together on the same platform, which not many people actually realize um, but of course, Facebook is blocked here. Instagram is blocked. Um, all of the regular things that you would think about uh, is blocked. YouTube, mm-hmm. anything Google related, forget it. So LinkedIn is quite useful. Um, what else I do is um, WeChat. So WeChat is the super app here in China. I'm sure right. by now you've heard about it. Yep. Um, and I have some WeChat groups where um, you can have up to 500 people who are uh, in each group and they're engaging with the content and I post lots of images and, and other things. And that, that's quite a lively community. I have quite a few groups now because you reach the maximum of 500. So you have to keep on creating new groups. So that has been an interesting one. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's the China internet ecosystem again. Yeah. So, so for whatever, whatever I'm doing, I have to think about it, doing it twice because there has to be mm-hmm. one for people outside of China and one for people in China. But it's, to me, I find it interesting. Like, do you see like, uh, because as a normal podcaster, you know, you promote it, you get one traction, but do you see like a difference between that double promotion? Like, you know, this actually, this market is doing better. This it's not doing so well. Or, you know, do you see any difference there? Um, I don't really track that carefully enough. Um, it bec- mm. And that's, that's actually a conscious decision because I'm the kind of person who, if um, they had a chance, I would just sit there and watch the numbers go up <laughs> and go and refresh, refresh, refresh. I mean, that's just <laughs> slightly part of my personality. So I know that. And so I don't overthink the audience too much. I, mm-hmm. I look at the overall number. I mean, I, I, can, I can see, because I've got two separate hosts, I can see... What, what listeners I'm getting on the Podbean one and what listeners I'm getting on the Shimalaya one. Mm-hmm. And the right now it's basically weighted, uh, I think three quarters are on Podbean, one, one quarter are on Shimalaya. Right. right. And, and when I say Shimalaya, that gets pushed also to the China version of iTunes. So you don't have to actually listen to it on Shimalaya, but um, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah. And then when I have, so because I have such diverse guests, 
it's not so much about which platform, it's about which guest I have um, on any show. So if I have a guest which, um, you know, let's say that they work in branding, then I would post on LinkedIn and I'd get a big bump based on branding people listening for the first time. If I post about, you know, a different kind of um, person, like an architect, for example, then boom, you know, that week, I'd get some architects listening in. And the idea is that, you know, if they enjoy that first episode they listen to, hopefully they'll stick around and listen to more. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them, I think they'd listen to the one that's relevant to themselves and then they would drop off. So I'm trying to get as much traction as possible that way, thinking about the people rather than the, the different ecosystems. And and in terms of, you know, audience, you know, coming, just, just a point on audience, how do you get your audience involved with your show? Ah, I'm in the process of changing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically at the moment, um, I've got the WeChat groups. So, you know, when I post there, I post all the visuals because my, um, my podcast actually has been designed with a strong visual element. Um, there are lots of things where I'm just trying to nudge people who are listening to actually look on the social media, not in mm-hmm. a casual way, but actually in a very concerted way. And so when, when that happens on WeChat, there can be a nice sort of conversation on these groups. And that is quite engaging. It hasn't been too successful, though. Um, I think I've over-policed the WeChat groups a little bit too much, so people are a little bit scared to talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to engage more with my Patreon supporters in the future. So I have a Patreon, um, and I have an... Of course, there is an equivalent in China, because there has to be two. So the app in China is called iFadien, which is basically the Patreon of China. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm laughing, but it's frustration. Um, <laughs> and so what I'm trying to do in the future is I will engage them a lot more um, in terms of uh, contributing to the content. So right now, mm-hmm. I give those Patreon and IFIDM subscribers an extra 10 or 15 minutes per episode. Uh, it's a longer version of each episode, right, right. Um, which is nice. So they get something back for just giving me a little bit of extra monetary support. Um, but then what I want to do more in the future is to get them more involved. Like when I'm about to do a recording with a guest, I want to ask them, hey, you know, since you're a Patreon supporter, do you want to suggest a question, for example, mm-hmm. and try and get more engagement that way. That's in the future. So it's all theoretical for now. Um, but I hope to, to, to do that more because actually when when people are more involved, I do I do think that it starts to work better as a concept as opposed to just me sort of talking into the ether. And and Patreon, you know, that's quite interesting because I recently came across a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies. Um, <laughs> what I, the I, hell is that one about? I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm a fan of cosplaying or anything, but... Oh, I, it's I, cosplay. <laughs> I, I just came across it. And oh, funny yeah, enough, oh, yeah. <laughs> monthly, they make 170,000 USD on Patreon. Yeah, right. This is it, you know. And yeah. this is where- <laughs> See, that's, that's, where, yeah. that's where my attention was like, 170,000. Yeah. It's done by four guys and a lady. Um, 170,000. That you know, It's not the Dungeons and Daddies which got my attention. It's that figure <laughs> that got my attention. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is it. If, if you have a niche, then you can, and you know, you have to be passionate about that niche. It doesn't work if you're not. Mm. Then you can really own that. And then you become this hub for people it's actually the biggest weakness of my podcast because i could have done a niche podcast on let's say you know something in china it could be anything let's say Mm -hmm. cosplay in china honestly the the biggest niche 
the, the, the more defined the niche, the better. But I'm not doing it for Patreon supporters. I'm doing it actually for myself. And mm-hmm. if I stuck to the same topic every episode, then I would bore myself silly. And so that's why I've made this series so diverse where, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can get someone who is talking about, um, you know, an aquarium one weekend and then the next person's talking about journalism, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because I myself get bored very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a weakness of the show because I'm never going to get that kind of traction with a podcast about China. And especially when I'm trying to appeal to people who aren't already engaged with China, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tricky one to actually focus on getting to get that amount of traction. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I, uh, you know, that's actually probably like the one piece of advice that I would give, you know, if you want to make this into a commercial enterprise, then mm-hmm. don't do what I'm doing. I, if you want to do it as a passion, then fo- follow what I'm doing, but it's not going to make much money. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> interestingly, you know, you mentioned um, something about your content. I, I, I listened to a couple of episodes and, you know, you take this approach where in your show, you sort of like, you know, put it out out there this is what's going to come up you know we're going to talk about this 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 and at the end we're going to talk about this and it's quite sort of like very interactive you know what is there a science behind why you do that kind of a show format or you know what made you do that show format uh that's a good question um what made me do it is i've been a podcast fan myself for i mean it must be now 15 years like i was one of the those early adopters right, um, right. and I can crow about it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those awful people who say that. No, no, no. Um, and basically, I know what I wanted to make, uh, having had you know this decade-long experience of listening to podcasts and knowing what I liked and knowing what I didn't like. And what I liked was the intimacy of just having two people in a room um, talking. So that's actually one part of my podcast. But the second part of my podcast is 10 questions, which I ask every guest. Mm-hmm. And that actually allows the podcast to have a formula as well. So you have like this open-ended first part and you have the formula in the second part. But what you're asking me is about when I do the intro and the outro, and that's also a conscious decision. So I do want to, I do want to sort of frame each episode to the listener in the way that I want. So it's quite highly curated and I want them to know, okay, why am I interviewing this person? Why is it interesting? What to listen out for? Um, and then in the end, I will draw things together, which perhaps they would have missed from the episode. Mm-hmm. But I, what I want to avoid is there is this word over-presenting. Right. I mean, you, you can hear me in this podcast. I can talk. <laughs> I can talk without much prompting for minutes on end. Um, but I do not want to do that on my own podcast. I really want to keep my part as brief and concise as possible and shut up and let the guest talk. And what I don't like are podcasts where the host is over-presenting. And, and that's what I like about your podcast, about that. I mean, you do something similar in terms of you have this formula um, mm-hmm. where you ask the same questions. That's similar to the second half of my episodes. But what you're good at is you ask the question and then you shut up and you let the guests just talk in a way that, you know, they can feel unencumbered. Mm-hmm. If they want to say it very, a short answer, they can. If they want to go long, they can. And of course, you can jump in and edit. I mean, that's where I think it's not 
I think it's the focus. That's where it matters, because we are domain experts in a certain certain aspect. The podcast is not focused in such a way. Like for me, Magic Mike, the focus is on the podcasters who's coming on, not on mm-hmm. me who is a domain expert. Because I, I think that's where that's where you know the podcast focus needs to be. If it's a monologue, then yeah, it's just on the podcaster. You know that that's fine. That's a different angle. But if you're getting a guest, to me, I think it should be about the guest and you know their story, their journey. Exactly, and this is the dichotomy because people often start a podcast because they like the sound of their own voice. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, that might not be very nice on the listener. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, this has been really amazing. You know, half an hour. It's it's just been really great chatting with you. Had great fun, and you know, it's been very insightful as to you know how you know giving that perspective from China. You know, how podcasting has to be done in two ways. You know, how you do it, uh, promote it for the international audience and the uh, local audience, and you know. A bit of insight as to how the Chinese podcast industry is evolving. I would say, it's, it's just a short brief, but I think that's very insightful with Zimalaya and you know, um, the Patreon apps which are coming up there. As a final question, as a wrap up question, I ask this to all podcasters who come on. Oscar, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I obviously was expecting this question, but. Y- Everyone knows that this is actually what a sound engineer asks people off mic, right? It's exactly. not a new. So I'm kind of like, oh, I'm a bit angry at Balat because this is such an obvious question, and yet nobody it, knows. It, <laughs> no, it is. It is the question now that I quite enjoy listening to other people answer. So I'm kind of like, Balat, that's such a lazy question, and yet it's such a good one. Oh, <laughs> um. I have a good answer here because my gym trainer has got me on a bizarre diet where I'm supposed to be eating more protein, which is kind of helping. I've got better arms, but I'm fat. So thank you to my, to my trainer. So my breakfast at the moment consists of high protein yogurt, like Mm -hmm. a kind of Greek star yogurt mixed in with protein powder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and then, and then two eggs mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a nice glass of iced tea with a bunch of supplements. Um, oh, it's not wonderful. It's absolutely gross. I think <laughs> apart, apart from the, apart from the protein powder, because I'm not a fan of protein powder. <laughs> oh no, it's horrible. It's, and you mix it in, you mix it into this high, high protein yogurt, which is already pretty thick. Like it's the kind of yogurt where you could put your spoon in and the spoon stays where it is right oh, man. and you add you're adding protein powder to it yeah this is why i'm getting fat <laughs> but then i mean the eggs that saves the day i mean no who can say no to eggs no because after after you've had no because it's just it's boiled eggs it's not like it's it's two boiled eggs dude it's two boiled eggs but it's My healthy life has- <laughs> it's healthy <laughs> look <laughs> it's helping in some regards i'm looking at my body change but i wish i wish it wouldn't make me so fat i hope at some point we're going to stop this and i can start to taper down my body because you're you're talking to me at a very interesting point in this exercise <laughs> where i'm growing in the wrong areas <laughs> Oscar, this has been amazing. You know, it's been like I said, it's been great fun to be very honest. That's the word I would say. And um, I hope you had great fun as well. You know, having being on the show and giving us listeners an insightful listen about your show. 
Well, it has been fun, especially listening to your accent, because um, I've lived in Singapore for seven years, and I'm still a Singapore permanent resident. <laughs> so it's great to have the chance to chat with you, Barat. I hope to meet you in person once the borders reopen. Wonderful. 